the IBM Cloud Podcast, coming to you every show with information about new capabilities and releases. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the IBM Cloud Podcast. We are hosts from the offerings team here at IBM Cloud. My name is Ian Lynch. And I'm Steve Choquette. And in today's episode, we have Jordan Shamir on the show. Jordan, you're very welcome to the show, buddy. So Jordan, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about what you do for IBM. So my role at IBM is I'm our disaster recovery backup and migration lead across IBM Cloud Infrastructure as a Service. So I really try to understand the market, understand our customer pain points, and try to set strategy to how to simply onboard or migrate into IBM Cloud and how to protect your data through a resiliency perspective. Oh, awesome. Yeah, no, every time we get a guest on, my fear when we ask that question is that they'll answer something that has nothing to do with our, our topic, and you answered just the right thing, so I'm excited. <laughs> it could have been a disaster there, um, no yeah. pun intended. So today we're going to talk about disaster recovery and backup in a software-defined data center. And, you know, I'm going to ask, I guess, two questions here. One is, is you know, why are they important, you know, in that kind of hybrid cloud environment? And then the second one is, do you have any hidden horror stories? And it doesn't have to be you know, just anything that you've heard of people who didn't have those backups and how things went really south in a hurry. Like a, a disaster story, Steve? Yeah, yeah, like a disaster story. So first, you know, why are they needed? And then two, you know, what's a good disaster story? Yeah, I mean, there, there's plenty. Unfortunately, there's plenty of good disaster stories. But, you know, let's take a high-level back. Disaster recovery and backup are, are two different things. A lot of times they're kind of deemed as analogous, right? But just at a high level, you know, kind of summaries, backup is just having an additional copy, right? I just have an additional copy of my data. Disaster recovery is essentially saying, hey, I have, you know, my data running in an environment that I can turn on almost immediately to consume in case something bad happens. And so why is it important to have is it's us. I mean, us as consumers have changed what we like, right? We're part of the Facebook, Instagram generation where we demand instant gratification. I want what I want when I want it, right? So if I go online, I try to buy something, um, you know, go to Google, type something in. The first link doesn't work. We jump to the second link. We are a ruthless consumer. And so that's where disaster recovery and backup start coming in because, you know, if something happens to my production, how can I ensure that I am up and running at the most minimal of downtime, right? Because if you're down, you lose consumer confidence, you lose revenue, and that's becoming amplified more and more throughout kind of this globalization and digitalization of, you know, consumer expectation. And so some of the horror stories, I mean, I've heard and just around the world is look at ransomware, right? Um, Look at a bunch of different companies that we're seeing, especially from localized, you know, governments to large enterprises. No one is immune from downtime, right? I mean, I think one of the most infamous ones here in the States, we had a, a very, very large uh, retail provider that was down for, for a weekend. They had some issue with their IT, they had an IT outage and their cash registers couldn't work. And so it's a grocery store as well as a retail store. So they had to manually enter every USB code through an iPhone to check a customer out. So, you know, every can of beans, every can, of, you know, box of pasta had to be manually entered. And they actually estimated a couple hundred million dollars worth of potential lost revenue 
and lost inventory, right? Because customers aren't going to go back and, you know, put all the perishables back in the fridge. They just left their stuff and went. Um, so that's one. And then the other ones are cyber attacks, right? I mean, this is kind of a sexy word and a hot topic. It's basically as sexy as disaster recovery can be. Um, and that's where we see the next generation of it, right? I mean, data is important. People are seeing this. People are seeing that companies' lifelines or their ability to be you know, online and providing whatever services to their customers. So it's becoming a very kind of accretive or, or lucrative threat for, for hackers and, and organizations. So Jordan, for me, disaster recovery, right, tells me that if something goes down, I can basically pick it back up in a different location. So let's make a wild assumption that, I don't know, a $100,000 business cost, they run an IT business or some form of run, some form of IT. And let's just assume the running of their IT cost is 10K out of that a year. Is for running disaster recovery an additional 10K to have an environment that's constantly ready to go? Or is there like cost effective, more cost effective ways of doing that? Yeah, I mean, I think it really depends on how you want to architect your environment. But kind of what we're seeing as the gold standard now, especially as cloud is developed, is really I just want to replicate my storage, just have my storage sitting in my offsite location and then spin up my compute as needed. Because what we see for even a lot of outages are only a couple days, right? So why am I paying steady state for the month for, you know, 12 months of the year? So what we see a lot of people is using a multi-tenant environment where I'm just using whatever replication tool to go from on-prem into cloud, keeping my storage sitting and, and you know, kind of uh, just sitting there and then spinning up my compute and kind of bursting into a DR environment as needed. And we're seeing that really being the gold standard through cloud. It's kind of funny how cloud has changed all that over the last 10 years before it was like, you know, we have a building here ready to go. If your building blows up or, I don't know, goes on fire, something happens, you just, you know, toddle on up the road another couple of miles and, hey, you just walk into a new building and everything is ready to go. Yeah, we got this instant, this that instant gratification. You can't afford to be gone down more than seconds, it seems like. I, um, I, I was telling you guys earlier that... Um, one of the local cities here, the city of Durham, actually had a ransomware attack on it this weekend. And so in the news, you heard all kinds of exactly what you were talking about, Jordan, about backing things up and, and how it'll take a couple days for all the backups to come forward. But don't worry, you haven't lost anything and you can still call 911 and all of that. So, yeah, it's, it's a real live issue that, that I guess for one of the local cities became timely over this weekend. Question for you, though. So how is this all tied to, like, high availability, to MZRs, to, you know, all of that stuff? We were talking to Aki Duvar the other day, and he's like our vice president of offering management for public cloud. And, you know, he was talking about some of the things that are out that can now basically say, you know, there's really no reason you shouldn't put your workload on a public cloud, that it's strong enough, protected enough, handles the data privacy and such, but... You know, I mean, where do high availability and those kind of things come in? So I think high availability is always important, right? And this is kind of a misnomer that we see within the industry is high availability isn't resiliency, right? So high availability is saying, hey, your data will be online for, you know, however many nines you want to provide. But when we look at disaster recovery and, and when I deem backup, I really consider offsite backup as the ideal you know, uh, implementation, 
it's really geographic difference, right? Um, because if I'm, let's just say, in our MZR in Dallas, right, and I'm spread across four different data centers, what happens, unfortunately, if something catastrophic happens in Dallas? How can I ensure that my business is still resilient and up and running? So that's one of the things that we're starting to see through government entities, like in Australia, if you're in one you know, county or one state, you actually have to have your disaster recovery in a different state, right? And we're starting to see that kind of roll out across the world where we're seeing best practice in some places in EMEA at minimum having to be 200 to 300 kilometers apart between production and disaster recovery, right? So high availability, especially the way we, we stretch, you know, using the MZRs, those data centers are only, you know, tens of miles apart. So not necessarily hitting the threshold or the requirement that a lot of governments or a lot of, you know, small and medium and as well as enterprise businesses kind of require from a geographic distance being on a completely different energy grid. So we, we view them as very complementary, um, but not necessarily the same thing. And one of the things that I do find really interesting is across the board, right, through any cloud provider, right, IBM, AWS, Azure, GCP, in all the little fine terms and prints, one of the things it says is, we are not responsible for your backups, right? So even though your infrastructure might be highly available, you always need to think about your backup as well as disaster recovery story, because unless that's something you pay for additionally, it's not something that's covered in the infrastructure. So then, Jordan, talk to me a little bit about then the benefits at an enterprise level for disaster recovery and backup, right? So you talked earlier on about the retailer. They were down for basically over a weekend and lost trillions of billions and millions of dollars. <laughs> so what about line of business? What happens at that level? Is it really important for those guys too? Well, I mean, I think just to take it at a level like, you know, like us, I mean, I, I back my stuff up on box for my laptop. You know, what happens if you can't find a file? Right. If I can't find a file, I, you know, I lose time for my business by, you know, searching for it, potentially having to recreate it. So for a line of business, it's very important because no one wants to have to redo something that they've already done or no one wants to have to get audited and not have the necessary documentation. So from a line of business perspective, we don't we don't typically see different line of businesses implementing individual or, or unique tooling for disaster recovery and backup. But I, I like to think about it as, as a human form, right? You know, all of us are in a different line of business of IBM. And our goal is to make sure that our business runs as, effective, as effectively, as, you know, productively, so we can have the best work-life balance. And that's where backup and disaster recovery really help because I know if I need something on my computer, I have my local copy so I don't need to recreate and redo work. I know that if my boss, i.e. my auditor, asks me for something, I have it, I can provide it. And then from a disaster recovery perspective, it's really from ease of use, right? It's, it's peace of mind knowing that my environment's sitting somewhere else. So in case something breaks, I don't need to panic and, you know, stay up for three, four days, you know, just trying to recreate and rebuild everything. Because there was a, a ransomware attack for a large media company where they, they essentially just had to recreate their entire environment. They were not up and ready or ready for the environment, and it took them... I think two to three weeks where they had all their employees in New York um, just sitting, building, working all day and all night. So there's a peace of mind that allows you for a little bit more of a work-life balance as well. So, Jordan, let me ask you a question while we're still on the topic then. Uh, something that I never really thought about before, but is there a regulation behind certain industries that have backup and disaster recovery? Oh, good question. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, 
we are seeing it more and more, especially with the rise of ransomware. So the way that I see it is, you know how we talked about a little bit of the software-defined data center, right? Kind of this topic of this this podcast series. So with a software-defined data center, right, it's the hyper-convergence of networking, compute, and storage. Where I view us moving in the future is, is the hyper-convergence of security and resiliency, right? So my security being my firewalls, my load balancing, essentially my prevention. And then on the back end, what is our remediation story? So how do I back up? How do I fail over into a secure environment? So we definitely see a lot of companies, like I know in the U.S., HIPAA, you have to keep your clients' data for at least seven years. So how can I keep my customers, you know, sensitive medical records in a secure and a cost-effective environment, right? So we are seeing that more and more throughout the industry as, you know, through audited perspective, but also just from a best practice. Hey, we, you're running a, a certain SaaS base or you're running a very critical data with a lot of human um, uh, data points to it. We have to make sure that you are safe and up and running so interesting question there that you brought up because it got me thinking, you know, a couple different things there, Jordan. One is that I suspect most people don't think of backing up what's on their laptop. Uh, you know, you talk about backing up the data center and they don't always think about the laptop. And that's an interesting problem because I would hate to have to recreate whatever I've got there. In fact, I don't even, I, I'm not sure I could even tell you what I've got that I would have to recreate. But I think it becomes a more interesting challenge as more workloads are pushed to the edge because as you're out there on the edge, you still have to back it up. Oh, oh, definitely. I mean, if you think about, so the, the reason I talk about the laptop is I, I just, it's helpful to humanize, right? I don't think many of us have been data center admins or created disaster recovery plans across, you know, you know, any kind of enterprise or any kind of business. And so when you think about the edge, the edge is going to become way more important, right? Because, when I think of the edge, I view a hub and spoke model, right? Where your essentially your data centers are going to be your large engines of compute, and then the edge, your Nest devices, whatever IoT devices, are going to be kind of your your models that are a little bit more on the edge, right? So from a disaster recovery perspective, it's going to say, hey, how can I make sure that all of my data that we're providing goes to one centralized repository? How do we protect it? How do we make sure it's up and running? Right. So if we look at autonomous driving, right, how do we aggregate all the data and all the miles that autonomous driving is collecting? Right. How do we, you know, aggregate all the thermostat behaviors of individual customers and, and others? Right. How do we keep that data? How do we back it up? How do we make sure that no one is, you know, hacking into the edge? Right. And if someone does, how do we make sure that we can kind of go to the latest copy to prevent any kind of ransomware or malware attack? So. Yeah, I mean, we see it kind of ubiquitous across across the globe, right? Unfortunately, with data being so important, we're seeing that being one of the most targeted resources in the world, as we're seeing with the rise of ransomware attacks. It doesn't matter who, it doesn't discriminate, right? Small business, large business, doesn't care about the industry or use case. It's, it's a global phenomenon, as unfortunately, it's become very, very valuable, our data, and staying online. Yeah, your data is your IP. So if you as a business lose your data, be it your customers, your numbers and everything, then you know, not only do you run the risk of screwing up your reputation, but you know, it is your business. Got a question for you though. So, you know, we've been talking about uh backup recovery, uh we've been talking about software defined data centers. What role does IBM Cloud for VMware play here? 
So IBM Cloud for VMware plays plays a big role, right? So when you look at cloud, one of the best use cases of cloud is things that I want to spin up as I need, right? It's, it's a, hey, I want to burst, right? That's the benefit of cloud, right? M moving from CapEx to OpEx, but also the ability to burst beyond the walls of my data center. And so when we take a, a take a step back at VMware, VMware has a massive market share of the virtualized x86 market, something ridiculous, like 80, 85% of on-premise virtualization is VMware. And so when a lot of these VMware companies look at the cloud, one of the things that they look for initially is what use cases does it make sense to go to the cloud? And disaster recovery and backup is one of the best ones. And the reason why is because the, in the ideal world for disaster recovery, you're paying for no compute. You just have idle sitting, you know, idle sitting servers, and then you spin it up as you need. And that's when you look at the cloud and say, hey, this is something I can do, right? I don't own my servers. I can have, you know, one server, zero servers sitting, you know, on and then just kind of burst into 100 as needed. Because if I wanted to have that sign of environment on-prem, I actually need to physically own the servers. So it really allows you to abstract your compute to, you know, eliminate the sitting idle to sitting in the cloud idly, but the ability to burst. So it really allows you to cut the size. And that's where I'm really excited about this new offering we launched about two weeks ago, which is a multi-tenant VMware-based offering. This is a game changer for disaster recovery because you can go from VMware to VMware on-prem to VMware and IBM cloud in a multi-tenant model for DR. So what it means is I'm not, I don't need to pay for any steady state compute. I can burst during a failover or during a test. I can go from, you know, essentially one bare metal server to potentially hundreds of bare metal servers within a couple of hours. So it's really a game changer as it's, it's really cost effective. So Jordan, I hear bursting is a huge thing. I guess it's essential for part of disaster recovery and backup. But as I'm thinking through this, right, if I'm listening to the podcast and I'm walking along the streets of Dublin, eating a sandwich and I think, well, you know, my company doesn't have disaster recovery or backup. So when I get home today, I need to start looking around, see what's the best solution. What what are the key things that I'm looking for? So you're talking here about multi-tenant. Is that something that I should look for? And if so, what else? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the first thing is always, I mean, maybe this, I'm an introspective person, right? So it's understanding what are my needs. So the first thing would be, what is, I think at minimum, you have to have backup. At minimum, you have to have backup. Um, just because if, if I lose my production with no backup, that is gone, right? If my IT environment is completely gone, that's, that's critical. I mean, we've seen businesses shut down because they've lost all their data, right? Entire companies kind of folded. So that's one. But then I would start looking and starting to understand what are my recovery points and my recovery time objectives. Recovery point is essentially how much data can I lose? And recovery time is how long can it take me to I'm back online, you know, up and running. And so what I would do is always do a self-assessment. What are my critical business applications? Right. How can my customers or how how much can I afford to have this application down? Right. Because one of the things that I really enjoy is, I mean, essentially going through once you see it, you can actually start putting metrics and numbers behind it saying, hey, if this application is down for an hour, I lose, you know, thousand bucks an hour. If this one's down, I lose 250. If this one's down, I, I don't really lose that much. So I heavily recommend kind of doing a deep dive into it. And then also the other thing, too, is 
I personally really love one of the providers we work with called Zerto. They provide an awesome business calculator where I can just put in the size of my business, um, my applications, and the RPO and the RTOs I classify with. And they aggregate a whole bunch of, you know, Gartner research and third party as well as their own research to say, hey, one hour for this application would cost X, this one would cost Y and Z to really provide a, a business case for you. Because a lot of times for disaster recovery, unfortunately, it's it's one of those things. It's a little bit like insurance, right? I mean, it's nice, you know, you have to have it. It's good to have, but it's not something you deem as accretive, right? It's not something that will necessarily make my business more money. So if you ever need help from a business case or a justification, I, I heavily recommend uh, the Zerto business case analysis for disaster recovery, as well as a variety of different tools online. Yeah, it sounds, I mean, insurance is really just risk management. You hope you never have to use it. One last question as we finish this up here, uh, Jordan. So where could I find out more about, and this could be the combination of disaster recovery and backup with the IBM Cloud for VMware. Where could I find, you know, is there one simple URL that gets us there, or is it really complex, and Ian will have to put it into mm -hmm. the um into the, the podcast URL information? So, yeah, so we have one external facing page uh, around disaster cover and another one around backup, or I, I believe it might have been merged into all one around IT resiliency. Um, it's an external facing marketing page on our VMware um, solutions page. I'm not sure the URL off the top of my head. So I, I think I'll defer to Ian and potentially put in the link, but we, we have all of our documentation there as well as having some new documentation coming out. Because this year, we have, a, we have really a big focus on creating external-facing video documentation, as well as runbook and cookbooks to actually make the users feel a little bit more empowered utilizing our solution by showing kind of technical demos and kind of everything from the beginning to the end, how to order, how to configure, how to deploy, how to fail over. It's one of our mantras this year from a documentation perspective, so you should start seeing that more and more. Well, Jordan, you'd be happy to know that during this entire podcast, I checked twice to make sure that my backup has been done within the last couple of days. Um, and I wasn't happy with it that it was done three days ago the last time, so I've just went and synced it again. And that's all based on the information that you told me. <laughs> no, I appreciate so, it. I hope we haven't scared all our listeners, but um, thank you for coming on the show and explaining the importance of disaster recovery and backup. It was it was really informative and at times a little bit scary and I really hope that companies are out there listening and actually doing it. So, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show, buddy. Appreciate it. Hey, yeah, of course. Thanks thanks for hosting me. I appreciate it. And I'll see you guys either in, in Raleigh or, or Dublin sometime. Yeah, absolutely. And guys, myself and Steve, as always, thank you so much for joining in for this, I guess it was Steve, um, episode three. So guys, join in again for the rest of the series and don't forget to subscribe. But for myself and Steve, as always, thanks for joining in. See you next time on the IBM Cloud Podcast.